kids, and we know this to be true because it's true of us, have had so much death spoken over them. And you get to walk into their lives and speak truth. God's truth, God's word, God's word that's living and active over their lives. Hi friends, you're listening to Palmetto Young Life. This podcast helps encourage and equips leaders to reach the next generation. In this episode, we have the privilege of hearing from Mike Kramer, who's been on staff with Young Life for over 34 years. His current role with Young Life is Mission Core, which basically means he helps us not stray away from our core identity of introducing adolescents to Jesus Christ and helping them grow in their faith. Though he would say his favorite role in Young Life is being a volunteer leader. Enjoy the third and final talk from Mike Kramer on our committee leader weekend. That's why we do what we do, right? It's uh, kids that uh, we're just trying to help them have a, have a chance, have a shot at it, right? And that was us at one point. And whether it was Young Life or something else, um, for most of us, I would say all of us, somebody walked into our lives and made an investment. There's a story of a student who uh, was meeting with a spiritual director, a leader, and uh, the question that was, that, that was asked was this, um, what can I do to help myself grow spiritually? And the spiritual mentor said, there is nothing you can do to make yourself grow spiritually more than you can make the sun rise every morning. Confused, perplexed a little bit, the student said, well, then why the spiritual disciplines? Why read my Bible? Why worship? Why prayer? Why fellowship? Why all these things? To which the spiritual mentor said, so you don't miss the sun when it rises. This weekend, I think a lot of us have had the sunrise. As we've had wonderful worship, great fellowship, time in the word, time of encouragement for us. What does it look like for us in this mission to continue to have the sun rise in our lives and in the lives of kids. Last night we had a time where we talked about this joy of going after kids and I shared briefly about this uh, section of Luke chapter 15. And I thought about it last night and I thought, I want to lay out for you a little bit of it. This is a free campaigner lesson in case you want, okay? So we're going to go ahead and lay this out uh, so you can see it visually. Luke 15, we talked about lost things. So what we have with the lost things is this, there's a pattern. And that pattern that we see at some point is coming. Here we go. Oh, actually, let's do this first. Okay, yeah, before we go there, thank you. Thanks for, for reminding me. Okay, so in Scripture, there are often these things called chiasms and patterns. Okay, and we're going to do a chiasm later. What a chiasm is, is something where there's a pattern that's like thought A, thought B, thought C. Makes sense, right? And then it will repeat. Thought A, thought B, thought C. And then there's also times where you'll see what's also called a chiasm where the thought is A, B, C, and then it reverses B, A. And what's interesting in there is what's in the middle. We tend to think log, uh, linearly in the Western world. And in terms of chiasms, what we begin to understand is what's central is what's in the middle. Okay? 
What's in the middle is what really is something to pay attention to. And sometimes it can be there's a C in the middle. And sometimes there's two C's in the middle. We're going to come to that one in just a minute. But what I want to first look at is more of just a pattern of A, B, C, D. So this was last night, the parable of the lost things. Here's the pattern. Something's lost. Someone's searching. Something found. There's celebration. So in the lost sheep, we had what? Something lost. Right? You're going to see that fill in. Yes, we have all those. That's the pattern. Jesus then teaches on the lost coin, and the pattern's repeated. Yes. And then we get to the lost son one, and the pattern is... And here's what they, the way that um, teaching would work that, and it's so important for us as we read the Scripture, is when we see the pattern, when the pattern changes, that should draw our attention to it. And then there's the lost son two, right? And the pattern's yes, yes, yes. And it's a big question mark. Will he go back into the celebration? And this is why it's important to understand this because the parable was made and was, was, um, was given to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were the ones that were not searching and were not celebrating that lost people were, that Jesus was spending time with lost people, the sinners and the tax collectors. So this could be a fun lesson for you to do in campaigners where you lay it out, have a chart, you kind of go, let's go with the pattern. What do you see? Fun one to do. I want to jump in, though, um, if we can here, um, to the pillars of young life. We've talked about them a little bit here, but the pillars of young life for us are this. It's incarnation. We've talked about this. Incarnation is Christ comes into the world. God became flesh, made his dwelling amongst us. And because of that, theologically, we then also have this dynamic where we say incarnational ministry, we go. We talked a lot about that last night. That that is a pillar of who we are and that are the ministries built upon. Proclamation is the second one. That we proclaim the good news. 1 John 1, 1 through 3. John's writing, he says, this we proclaim to you. We've seen him. We've touched him. He's real. We've spent time with him. That we proclaim something that is real and alive. We don't proclaim a doctrine. We proclaim a person. And then the last one is this. And it's discipleship. And I want to wrap up with this for us this morning a little bit on discipleship. Discipleship is both formal and informal. Formal is you have a, a meeting. It's like a you, know, you have a campaigner meeting and you open the scripture together. And I won't go into all the details of what you would do there because your staff will do that. Your leaders, you'll do that. You'll catch, you'll pick that up. You know, it's family time. It's prayer. It's time in the word. It's time of vision. It's all these wonderful things that are part of this meeting. So there's the formal time of discipleship. But I'll tell you this. Most discipleship is actually informal. You have the formal because it creates the context, but the informal is where it happens. The informal is you're driving a kid home. And you just get a sense that they want to talk. They don't want to get out of the car. They kind of say, hey, can you drop me off last? Don't you love that? Because you know that kid wants to talk. Or there's the time where you're up at the game. And all of a sudden, conversation just kind of steers towards something about a kid's life. And all of a sudden, everything around disappears. And there's this conversation about life and about Christ. Or it's around the kitchen table. Had a kid, Scott... He was at our house. It was a Friday night. Probably had 20 to 30 kids at the house. People playing games in different rooms. Tons of fun. Music going. I mean, it was just a fun Friday evening. We began to create this idea where if you had nothing going on, just come over to the house. We're always doing something. 
people just knew we were always doing something Friday night. Now, during football season, it was that Saturday night, right? But we always kind of had something going on one of those nights. And it was this neutral time. If you're looking for how do you get kids to come to club, that's not the goal, but we want them to come to club because we want them to hear about Jesus in a fun and safe, welcoming, belonging environment, right? I hope you heard me last night about talking about the foundation of who we are. I want you to hear this. I love club. It's a ton of fun. And I love camp too. Let's just do it the right way. Anyways, so we have all these kids over at the house and uh, we're just having a ton of fun. And what we're trying to do is create neutral time. Because you meet a kid at school, you meet them in their environment, and going to club is a huge step, right? Like that's a big ask. Do things that are neutral time. It's kind of in between. It's easy for a kid to say yes to, easy for a kid to say no to. If they say yes, it's wonderful. If they say no, it's not like the relationship's over, right? So you want to create all these neutral time things. So we always would have, you know, like a one weekend, in, uh, of one night of the weekend, we just have people over the house and campaigner kids would just invite their friends. They'd come and it was just a wonderful, fun time. So we're, I'm sitting at the kitchen table with this kid, Scott. He says, hey, I got a question for you. And he'd been coming around to campaigners a little bit. He's kind of a seeker campaigner kind of kid. He says, I got a question for you. And he goes to ask this question. I know this is one of those moments that, gosh, Lord, I just want to hear from you. And, you know, I'm looking, I, I want to have the right answer. So he, we're sitting there and he asks me this question. He says, I'm curious, Mike, um, what's your thoughts on premarital sex? You know, like a, you know, like I said, a Friday night. And uh, here's the thing that's really interesting. This is not a theoretical question for him. He's dating somebody. This is what we call practical theology on a Friday night, right? This is not, the answer is not, well, I'll tell you what, wait till campaigners, we're going to do a series in the spring. <laughs> right? This is like on the fly, informal, this is discipleship. It's my favorite kind. So he asked the question, then inside, I'm praying. And I would encourage you to learn this rhythm. In every conversation, always have two conversations going at the same time. One is with the person that you're with and you're listening to them. Learn to listen with both ears. One ear is turned towards the person and the other ear is turned towards the Lord. And you're asking all the time, Lord, help me to know what to say. Give me your words. Spirit move. So as he asked this question, I'm thinking, Lord, you've got to give me one. You've got to give me the right thing. So I said, I'll tell you what, Scott, here's the deal. I would love to answer your question if I could first ask you a question. He's like, okay, sure. He's up for the, for the game. So I said, Scott, here's the thing. You've been coming around a while. You've been talking about Jesus. You're familiar with this a little bit. I know you're kind of searching, trying to understand more of it, which is part of why you're asking this question. So my question to you is this. Is how serious are you about really wanting to follow Jesus? We then talked about that for the next 45 minutes. What it looks like to really follow Jesus, to have him frame who we are, to shape the way we view the world, to shape the way we view people of the opposite sex. At the end of the 45 minutes, I asked him, I said, Scott, do you want me to answer your question? He says, no, nah, I think I got the answer. <laughs> because we talked about the real issue. The real issue is the issue of the heart. He was asking a behavior question, Right. But the real issue is the issue of the heart. Learn in discipleship to take it to the issue of the heart. Because what happens is when the heart comes alive, the behavior begins to reflect it. And that's what we need to fan that flame for us. We've been saying that all weekend. Let me give you an illustration of this. Think of a bird. 
If you saw a bird that was dead, and then that bird came back to life, well, you'd be shocked for sure, right? But imagine if you saw a bird that's dead. That bird comes back to life. What would you expect that bird to do? The bird, what would a bird do? Fly. Would you be surprised, I mean, other than it was dead and it came back to life, would you be surprised if you saw that bird fly? You would actually go, well, that's what it's supposed to do. Do you know when you come back to life, this idea of giving your life away, that's not something for graduate school people following Jesus. That's actually what we were made for. We were actually made that what makes life work is giving our lives away. Putting other people first, considering others more important than ourselves. These are not like just great additions to the Christian faith. This is actually the very core of it. In other words, just like a bird would fly, someone following Christ, you begin to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, right? Self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. Because when the heart comes alive and the Spirit's moving, these begin to show up in our behavior. Is there anything you can do to make those show up? No. No more than you can do to make the sunrise. But as you have the spiritual disciplines in your life, you will find yourself seeing the sunrise more and more in your life. Let's jump in here. I'm going to look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 27. If you turn there, uh, let's hold that off for just a second if we can. Um, we'll go Proverbs 4. If you want to turn there in your, in your Bible, I want to give you a model for discipleship. Which means for your growth and for the way you can lead kids. Because discipleship, I said, is formal and it's also informal. And if you can have a framework for the informal side of it, you can then have things kind of in your pockets that as conversations come up, you can know, hey, this is part of discipleship. This is how I can help somebody grow. And I can also have this be what informs my growth. If we look at Proverbs 4, um, we're going to look starting in verse 20. A little key on Proverbs for you. Proverbs was written by Solomon. Um, it was written to his son. They say Solomon was the wisest person that ever lived. Let me give you a few characters that are important to understand as you read through the giant, you know, the larger book of Proverbs. In Proverbs, you will see this. You know, it's Solomon speaking to his son. But then the different characters that are kind of in Proverbs are the wise person. So we say the wise, there's the foolish, and then there's the evil person. So as you read Proverbs, that's just a quick lens for you to understand that Solomon is trying to explain to his son, here are three ways to respond to truth in your life. Will you be wise? Now, wise doesn't mean you're the, you know, the guru up on the mountain, you're the spiritual person that's, oh, the old sage, the wise. No, wise means someone that actually applies the truth to their life. The foolish person who does not, and the evil person who applies the opposite. And then in there, you're also going to see where there's two women. One is Lady Wisdom, and the other is the adulterous woman, because those are the things that are going to tempt him. And whether you're male or female, these realities, I think, are still true for all of us. So here in chapter 4, Solomon says this in verse 20, My son... Pay attention to what I say. I love this. There's this sense of kind of intimacy. There's this sense of tenderness and care. And for me as a father with my kids, this just speaks so much to me. My son, 
Cooper, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Okay, what I want you to do is right where you are, turn to the person next to you. And I want you to look at what are the different parts of the body that Solomon is writing about here. Look at your scripture. What are the different parts of the body that he's talking about here? All right, what do you guys got? Give me one. Give me a couple. What do you have? We have the eyes, right? We have what? The feet, the mouth, lips and mouth. We'll kind of call together. What else? The heart and maybe it's the ears. Okay, right? Okay, so let's go ahead and put that slide up. What we're going to do here, this is actually a chiasm, okay? So what we have here is this, is turn your ear. The action is listen, the, the part of the body's ears. The next little part is do not let them from your sight. It's the eyes. The action is seeing. Keep them in your heart. This idea of storing this, the part is the heart. Guard your heart, right? The action is guarding and protecting your heart. The part is the heart, right? Keep your mouth from perversity. It has to do with the action of speaking. It's about the mouth. Your eyes and your gaze straight ahead. It's about sight. Oh, by the way, the eyes and the gaze, what you gaze upon. Does anybody remember a word from the first night? Behold, and you will become what you... Behold, do you see how beautiful the scriptures all weave together? I mean, it's just wonderful how this speaks to us. So the eyes, the gaze, the sights, the eyes, then there's a path, the feet, the ways, it's back, it's the feet and walking. If a chiasm, there's different patterns, but if a chiasm was one that is like A, B, C, and then it kind of goes backwards, B, A, it's kind of like, it's trying to draw our attention to the middle. What is the middle of this passage? The heart. Wow. The middle of the passage is about the heart. Specifically, we see it twice in there, but in verse 23 it says this, above all else. Friends, above all else, guard your heart. For everything that you do flows from it. Everything that you do flows from your heart. Everything that you do flows from this renewal and this life in the heart. What is the condition of your heart? Because out of the overflow of the heart, right, the mouth speaks. The way we live, the way we move, and the way we have our being. So what we see here is in this passage, by understanding this dynamic of a chiasm, what we realize is this is not just a co-equal list all the way through. But it's actually a list of things centered on this idea of the heart. I want to give you an image. What if we think about this passage like this? 
Does it look familiar a little bit? The heart's in the middle. Remember, the behavior's around the outside. And what this passage is telling you, where you allow your eyes to go, where you, what you allow to speak over yourself, what you choose to listen to, where you go with your life and your paths and your feet, is going to determine the condition of your heart. So I would suggest to us this. Pay attention. Pay attention to where your eyes go. Not because it's about being a good or bad person, but it's because it contributes to the condition of your heart. Pay attention to what you listen to. The enemy is out to get you. And all kinds of lies he's going to have to assault you. Learn to listen to the truth, not to the lies. Your mouth, what do you speak over yourself? What do you declare over yourself? And the feet, where do you choose to go? Do you choose to live in places and go to places that will build you and encourage you? So here in Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon's writing to his son. He says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. You want to know what discipleship is? It's this. Discipleship is the growth and the condition of your heart and your participation in it. Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Listen to my truth. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's body. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thoughts to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet from evil. Because, above all else, guard your heart. This is how you guard your heart. This is how you guard your heart. You pay attention to these things in your life. Oh, and here's what ministry is. Ministry is, as your heart now is alive, how do you view the world? In terms of protecting the heart, it's how do these things protect what comes into the heart? But these are also then the ways, the portals, in a sense, as to how life goes out. How do you view the world? How do you view other people? Do you view other people the way that the gospel informs us to? Are your eyes inclined to see the dignity and value of all people? Does your mouth speak truth and life over people? Is your humor one that builds up and helps us to have fun or does it tear down? Do your feet go to places that need you because the view that you have of the world is that you are called and sent. But you're careful where you go so that it doesn't destroy your heart. One of the key things in here is this idea of God's word for us. A favorite passage for me is 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. If you're looking to memorize a piece of scripture, memorize this. All scripture. Okay, here's the fun thing. How much of scripture? All. All scripture. This is really foundational for us. Because if we're going to protect and guard our heart... One of the things that we have to be careful of is that we're not listening to the lies, we're listening to the truth. Well, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? 
Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You guys want a free campaigner lesson? Here it is. Okay? Free campaigner lesson. 2 Timothy 3.16, do a whiteboard, have your campaigner kids pull it apart. Here's what it is. Teaching, and it teaches us the path. From occasion, we do what? We stray off the path, so the scripture is going to rebuke us and say, hey, you're off the path. And then it's going to correct us and bring us back on the path, and then it's going to train us in righteousness. You do a campaigner lesson on this, they're going to know the scripture. They're going to memorize it because they've experienced it. But you know what's really interesting in this is not just that it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Is that it says this actually, is that it's God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. Here's what's interesting. The word God-breathed, the Greek in it is theophanoust, okay? Which means God-breathed. And you're like, wow. <laughs> okay. Here's what's interesting. Is the translation of God-breathed means actually god Breathe. Here's what's interesting. Think about when you breathe. When you breathe, you, there's two actions. You first what? Inhale, and then you exhale. Another word for that is that you inspire, and then you expire. All scripture is God breathed because God spoke it. God spoke it. And do you know that when you speak, you're breathing? What actually makes speech work is works is breathing. Because to speak, I have to breathe in, and then the process of breathing out over the vocal cords causes the sound to go from me to you that something that I'm saying hopefully makes sense to you. All Scripture is God-breathed. That He has breathed it to us. That this word here, folks, it's not just a really well-written Hallmark card. This is not just some really neat ideas. It's actually God-breathed. Because God inspired, and then he expired. So in a technical sense, his word is expired from him, but then breathed in and inspired into here. That's what it means that his word's inspired. You want to know what God has to say about you and about life? It's right here. It's his word to us. Then inspired. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is living and active. It's not just ideas. It's not just doctrine. It's living. It's active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. In other words, it gets to the deep places of our lives, the deep places of our hearts, and does that work below the waterline that we so desperately need to have in our lives. It judges the thoughts and the actions of the heart. But this is important. It's living and it's active. Proverbs 18, 21 says this. The tongue has the power, you guys know what it is? Of life and death. Speak life. You want to disciple kids? Speak life to them. Look for opportunities to speak over them. Speak truth over them. Kids, and we know this to be true because it's true of us, have had so much death spoken over them. And you get to walk into their lives and speak truth. God's truth. God's worth. 
God's Word that's living and active over their lives. Folks, my encouragement to you this morning in terms of discipleship is that you would know the truth and you would speak the truth. And as you walk into kids' lives, you'd help them to sort out this wonderful dynamic of their heart coming alive. And you help them to think through, what is it that you're gazing at? What is it that you're looking at? What is it that you're listening to? How can you listen to God's word? Where is it that you're going and what are you surrounding yourself with? And what is being spoken over you? What needs to be released and what needs to be new? Folks, you all have been great. My hope is that we've given you maybe some thoughts, some images, some things that you can carry forward. My hope is that inside of you there's maybe the welling up of a freshness of life, of recognizing this beautiful dynamic that we are both image bearers, right? We are image bearers and presence carriers as we walk into kids' lives. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. We are so grateful for the way you have met us this weekend. We're so grateful for your word. And Lord, I pray that as we would go, we would continue to hear your voice in the way that you would be leading and encouraging us as we walk into the lives of hundreds and thousands of kids. Lord, lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was the third and final talk from Mike Kramer given on our committee leader weekend. Now, we'll have more seminars that were given that we recorded. I don't think we had all of them, but we had a majority of them. So stay tuned for more of those coming up.